Welcome, Welcome to episode 310, 310 of On The Schmooze. Let's, Let's do, do this. this. Welcome, Welcome to, to On The Schmooze, Schmooze the, podcast the podcast that highlights talented people, people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Are you, Are you looking, looking for a community, community where you can ask questions, questions get, get support, support, find friends, friends make, make referrals, and celebrate your wins? I have, I have just the thing. thing. The, the Content and Connection, Connection Club. This, this affordable, membership-only community is perfect for you if you want to learn strategies for business growth, networking, online and in-person, and improving your virtual event engagement and presentation skills. You'll get, You'll get to attend, attend a weekly mastermind, mastermind plus online, online access to content and, and community connections. connections. All this for just $25 a month. That's, That's because this is my way of giving back to the community that helped me grow a thriving business as a virtual event design consultant after the pandemic shuttered my business. Go to contentandconnectionclub.com to learn more and sign up. Again, that's contentandconnectionclub.com. Now, onto this week's interview. Today's guest believes inclusion is more than a moral obligation. It's a competitive advantage. Her presentations on blameless inclusion spark not just inspiration, but action as well. Her firm, Her firm has extensive experience and a proven reputation for driving better business outcomes through innovative and inclusive strategic planning. They bring deep expertise in improving profitability and innovation, boosting team and organizational performance, and optimizing inclusion strategies. She's the author of The Seven Simple Habits of Inclusive Leaders, has been featured in publications such as Forbes Magazine, Smart Meetings, and The Meeting Professional. Please join, join me welcoming, welcoming Melissa, Melissa Majors. Majors. Hey, hey Robbie, it's, it's good, good to be here. here. Thanks for having me on the show. Thrilled that you're joining, you're joining us from your place in Dallas, Texas. Texas. As you know, there's a show, show about building strong networks, but the context is leadership. So tell me, how do you, how do you define leadership, and when did, when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Robbie, so I got to tell you, I'm going to answer that question in terms of the story, okay? Because I'm a storyteller, and it gives me a chance to brag on the best boss I ever had, who was. The epitome, the epitome of servant leadership, leadership which, which means wanting and doing whatever it takes to help other people thrive. And, and this boss I'm telling you about, her name is Karen Clark Carpenter, and I was fortunate enough to work with her early in my career, so really shaped my philosophies on leadership. And Karen was incredible because she really cared about the success of everyone in the team. And she gave us all the tools, the resources, the connections, and the swift kick in the pants if we needed to be held accountable, right? She'd be the first one to give it to us. And so as you can imagine, everybody in our team thrived, and we weren't afraid to take risks and innovate. So this was at Nationwide Insurance back in the early 90s, or the late 90s. And as a result of feeling so empowered, I pioneered digital education for Nationwide before online learning was even a thing. Okay. And so, as you can imagine, that landed me in a very high-level position. I got lots of motions and things like that. The first big step, though, I was fumbling. Oh, my goodness, Robbie, was bad. Because I lacked confidence. And, and Karen, Karen knowing, knowing my intrinsic motivators and really knowing what made her team members tick. She grabbed, she grabbed me one day and she was like, listen, Melissa, you weren't, you weren't given, given this job. job. You, you earned it. it. So, so get, get out there and show them what you're made of. 
And that's, and that's exactly, exactly the motivation, motivation that, that I needed. And I tell you, Robbie, I rocked that, that job, okay? And, and it was as a result of that, landed on stage just talking about what we had done, and that just really catapulted my career. But it was as a result of the incredible leadership. And influence, and influence of Karen Carpenter. Carpenter. And, so and so that's how I define leaders. It's people who use their influence and power, whether you're a people manager or not, to help, to help other people thrive. thrive. And, it and it was also in that moment where I realized I had what it took to be an incredible, incredible leader. leader. And, and as, as I mentioned, that was that really changed the trajectory of my career. What an, what an opportunity. What a story. I, I mean, to have that kind of boss early on in a career to really live what, what leadership, leadership could look like and give you the experiential like opportunity to be like, oh, this is what it's like to, to, be, to be well supported and encouraged in my, in my way, way, like that they were, they were understanding like what would be the motivator for you, for you. Uh, and, and that you were given opportunities to shine and supported along those, those ways. Sometimes, sometimes we get elevated in a role and we don't, and we don't get the tools we need to do our best work. And, and it, 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 it sort of undermines, undermines our confidence, but you were given, given the tools to succeed. And also, and also to be doing digital learning in the late, in the late 90s, 90s, I mean, that, I mean, that was very, I mean, I mean, it was innovative, innovative and, and edgy. edgy. And <laughs> no, you, definitely edgy, yeah. 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 I was like, yeah. you know, no, no one was talking about this, so it also positions you suddenly, you know, in those moments, you become the expert on this space because you're just doing it. You're figuring it out as you go. And, you know, it must be also a really creative place to be. Uh, at an early point in your career, career where people's voices and opinions are sort of being brought in because you don't, you don't innovate in a, in a you know, you know, tightly tight, restricted, everyone just do their own job kind of role. So what, so what a unique um, opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious kind of, kind of who, you who you were before all of that, that because, because for you to have had that opportunity, there must be something about who you already were. So I want to wind the clock back a little bit. You know, I'm always curious, like, who people were when they were kids, like, on the playground or, you know, did you run for office in high school or did a teacher recognize your leadership potential or were you the quiet kid who was kind of watching it all unfold? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's unpeel this onion here. You know, Robbie, I think I was always a leader. Like didn't I didn't know it, know it. but I was, but I was always, always a leader. leader. I, was I was always taking, taking on leadership roles. roles. I, I remember in high school, I directed a play in high, in high school. school, and, and it, was it was phenomenal. It was an incredible experience. experience. Everybody, Everybody was, um, they, all they all felt like their part was equally important, you know, you know? And, and some had bigger, bigger roles. roles. You can find it that way, bigger roles than others, but I think it was my leadership style that is much more... Approachable and share, share power, power with versus, versus try to power, power over. I think I always had that, and um, I'm the youngest of nine kids, kids. So, so that is an unfair advantage that I learned how to adapt, adapt and navigate, collaborating, collaborating with a whole lot of folks, just, just you know, being, being at home with all of those kids. And so, and so yeah, that, yeah, that was, was me growing up, and, and it took leaders seeing that. that. I didn't recognize that, but it took incredible leaders like Karen and others. To see, to see that, that potential in me and, and say, mm, there's, there's something there. And let's, and let's pull, pull her in and give her some stretch assignments. And people believed in me. And that, that really boosted my, my, my confidence after you get some wins under your belt. belt. And so then, then just continuing to move up the ladder intentionally because I felt like I had some greatness to offer to the world. Is I'm really grateful for that start in life. 
I'm curious, I'm curious what's, what's the stereotype, stereotype of the youngest, youngest of nine? nine? I, mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Stereotypes go that far. We're spoiled, yeah. But the reality is, we are spoiled. Yeah. Well, taken care of. I was never bratty about it. Like I've always been a grateful person, and just come from really good stock. My parents are wonderful, salt of the earth type people. Um, so, never so never took that, took that for granted. granted. But, what's but what's interesting is that um, I, learned I learned what not to do. To do. Like my, 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 my older brothers and sisters, sisters so grateful that they were adventurous and wild and fun and, and you know, you know live, live really full, great lives. But, but I learned what not to do so that I didn't get in trouble. And that turned into wisdom that I didn't have to earn on my own. And I'm grateful both my professional side and my personal side for that insight. You know, you know, sometimes, sometimes you, you witness, witness people doing those, those, those um, you know, those maybe, maybe misbehaviors or those adventurous, adventurous deeds, and you, and you don't learn the lesson, lesson not to do it. You learn the lesson how not to get caught doing it. So I was too chicken. I just didn't do it. But even the fact that you stepped into the role of directing a play in high school says something about who you were back then, right? Like you didn't recognize leadership as a term. We didn't use that term when you were a kid. Like who would? But that you put yourself in that in that role that you saw the opportunity and said yes, and that you. Gave, gave everyone equal access to the experience. People, People felt good about, about like, you like you were caring about how they felt. And, and I think the word, the word inclusion here kind of fits in, even though, again, you didn't use that term. Yeah. But yeah. You, you wanted everyone to feel like they were playing a part. Whatever that role was. And that feels like a lot of who you are today. So it's cool to see some evidence of that early on in that dynamic. And where did you grow up? What state? Columbus, Ohio. So you were in Columbus, Ohio. So you were in a city... Having, having this experience, it's really cool. Like, like I, I love sort of placing some of this because it's hard, it's hard when we see people who are really successful to imagine like how they, how they got there. It's so interesting. I love where you're, you're, you're leading, leading this conversation because, because I never actually stopped to reflect on that phase of my life, on how it really set the tone for a lot of things I'm doing today. I mean, as you know, I'm a keynote speaker. I spend a lot of time on stages sharing wisdom, educating others on how they can be better leaders. I just, I just remember, remember I, was I was the salutatorian at my graduation, high school graduation. graduation. And, and so that was, that was really the first time I found myself on stage. And it was, and it was so, so well received, and I'm still, still doing it. it. So, so, yeah, it's so, 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 so interesting, interesting, you know, as you start. I got chills. I got chills just now. For your life. It's amazing. Yeah, you've always been who you are. You've just got better at sort of proclaiming it, you know, and being fully who you are. But, again, you have the opportunity. You took it. You did it well. People received it well. You prepared for it. Right. Got past the nerves of doing it the first time. Um, I had an experience actually of uh, speaking in front of state, state legislators when I was, when I was uh, maybe 15, Ooh. and um, it, was, it was breakfast, and I sort of didn't, didn't know enough to know, enough to know that I should be nervous about it. About it. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Well, you're invincible at 15, like, you know. Like, I just, I just was like, I had a message. And these, these are the people who are going to make change. change. And, and I, I thought it was important. important. You know, so, so I just, uh, there was an affect about it, which of which course, course they loved that I was, you know, just doing it. Um, but I was prepared by my parents to like do this thing and not make a big deal about how it was being done. Like the medium wasn't important. It was the message. And I think that similarly like sets you up for life to take on new tasks. At 12-ish years old, what do you think you were going to be growing up? Like what was the big career dream? Uh, I, wanted I wanted to, to be, be in advertising. advertising. 
Wow. I had an uncle, uncle who owned, owned an advertising firm, firm and I just, I thought, I thought his, his life was so spectacular, spectacular and the places, places he went, traveled, traveled the world, the things that he did. did. I just, and, and the creativity with, with advertising, advertising and, and negotiating, negotiating behavior change and, and you know, sales and all that stuff. I just thought that was incredibly fascinating. fascinating. So that's so what I wanted to do. And, yeah, it's changed. It's changed a gazillion times since then, but that's what I wanted to do as well. So what, so what I'm, I'm hearing, hearing though is lifestyle, lifestyle was important to you, creativity was important to you, um, that, you that you also got, got a glimpse behind the scenes of how advertising was impacting how we thought, um, and, so and so you you you, were, you understood that there was like a sway happening, happening uh, and you wanted to be part of that. I mean, that's a cool thing to be aware of at 12 years old. Yes, I didn't realize it. Like you know, you don't know those labels as you mentioned earlier. You don't realize the label. That's that's it. And human behavior. Fascinated with, with human, human behavior, behavior. What, how, how we're wired and how we think, think the way that we do and what, what causes us to behave a certain way. way. It's, it's, I've, always I've always been fascinated with that. With that. I, used I used to sit in the mall, mall the I grew up in Long Island, New York, so we were in malls, and I would watch the traffic flow change depending on where the benches and the potted plants were. Let's look at you. Does that relate to what you do today? Uh, I think that you know people just go with the flow. And if you direct, if you give them enough structure, they're having a good experience. They don't, they don't want to stop and think about where to go next. They just, they want to have a good, good experience. And if you're leading them the right way and it feels good to them, like they're not going to cross over. To, to, try to try something else, else if, 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 if what's, what's happening, happening right now feels right. right. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's group, group dynamics. dynamics and, and uh, yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it is sort of interesting. interesting. So, so was college part of the, uh, the plan for you? College was always part of the plan for me. My father tell you another story. So my father is 89 now and he was born in the rural South. My father's a black man, born in the rural South and was denied an education after the third grade. And, and I, I discovered that he didn't, he didn't know, how know how to read when I was seven years old. When I was learning how to read, I went to him and asked him to read me a book. And he just kind of kind of blew it off and said, "Oh, I'm, I'm, is, he is he watching this? Shoot him, shoot him up or something, something like that." And I was just just completely devastated as a daddy's girl. And I went to my mom in tears and I explained what happened. She said, "I need to tell you a secret. Daddy would give anything to read that book to you, but he doesn't know how to read." And, and she, she said, said that, that men like daddy, daddy oftentimes their muscles were valued more than their brains during, during that era. era. And, so and so he didn't learn how. And, and it was in that moment, moment Robbie, as we're peeling back the layers of, you know, you know our younger years, years, it was in that moment, moment very transformative for me because, because I was committed then to helping break down any barriers to education. And, and I've since taught thousands of people from stages online and in person, led, led teams of people who also are responsible for educating. But my, but my first student was my dad, my dad when, I when I taught him how to read. read. So, we so we learned how to read together. And um, yeah, you, yeah, talk, you about talk about transformative experiences. experiences. That was definitely one that, that set me up for a love, love of educating others and helping them be their best person. What a, what a beautiful tribute, tribute to, to you know, you know his, his love for you, for you your, your, your mom's wanting, wanting to protect him, but also protect you from, from this, you know, hurt that you were feeling, and then you bringing him along with you on your own learning journey. journey. My, kids My kids are now four and a half and six and a half, so they're right in that like early learning stages and reading, and it's exciting and it's hard. It's it's really fun, and if I couldn't fully participate, yeah, it would be pretty devastating. If I couldn't help them in this moment, absolutely. Imagine how he was feeling. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, let me well, tell, let me tell you, you. So he, he was, was that, that 
caused, caused him, him to become, become incredibly dedicated, dedicated committed, and make sure his kids could get college education. And so, and so he worked at, at a university. university. So, so all of us could go, could go to college, to college um, and, have and have the opportunity to do that. To do that. And, so, and so, yes, college was always in the works for me, even before, before I was born, born because, because of that, that reason. So, so you're the you're youngest, youngest of nine, of nine yep. Yep. And, it and it was with you that he finally, finally learned to read. So he, he, he evaded this moment eight, eight times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you, so managed you managed to break, to break through, through <laughs> a real barrier. <laughs> I mean, that's a skill in itself to, to, to see a barrier and somehow still reach people who have sort of been living, living you know, you know, with, with, with this truth, truth that they kind of don't want to reveal. And so savvy. So savvy at navigating that. My father's one of the most... Brilliant, brilliant people, people I've ever known. known. I mean, you talk, you talk about, about being able to read human behavior. You have, you have to get really keen at those skills, especially to make up for the fact that he couldn't, couldn't read. He can read people like that. And so, uh, and common sense, are, which is not that common these days. He has more than his fair share and blessed me with some of that too. And so, yeah, I was the one that learned that and did something, did something about, about it, it. And, and I'm so grateful. And even to this day, I mean, he, he's, he's given me permission to tell his stories and not ashamed of it at all. But um, without, without me sharing that story, that people would never know. know. You couldn't, couldn't know because he's gotten, gotten good at faking it, if you will. We all do for different parts of our life that we're not sure we have all the skills and experience to back us up. Um, um, and, and I, I love that he's found ways to compensate that are often underappreciated by other people, like being able to read how other humans are, or just understand like the situation. I think you know, you know some, people some people just don't know how to read, read, a, read a moment, moment. <laughs> even though they know how to read a paper. When you graduated, you went into a career. What was, what was the initial career path? The initial career path. So that's funny. So I sold fine jewelry all through college. I loved that job. I loved sales and mixing and mingling our people. And it was just a fun job. I got to hang out in the mall, like my favorite place. You talk about go to the mall and sit and watch people. My favorite place ever. And then I was emceeing a fashion show at our church. And one of the senior executives at Nationwide Insurance was in the audience. And like I said earlier, she saw something special in me. And recruited, and recruited me to join, to join the firm. firm. And, so and so I did. And so, and so I started off on the investment side of the business, business got on my licenses. And then after I pioneered digital education for them, I was on stage talking about it and got recruited to join a firm down here in Dallas, Texas. Got a job offer I couldn't refuse. I've never even been here before. So I packed up everything and moved away from my big, big, wonderful family and came down here to Dallas and started a whole nother journey. Which, which I spent, I spent uh, about, about eight, eight years there and in, in running sales enablement for an investment firm, firm reporting for the president of the company. company. And, and then I uh, got married, had a couple, had a couple kids, kids and decided I was going to take a little time off to uh, enjoy my family and do just that. that. But then after about a year, I felt like my brain was leaking out of my ears. I realized being a stay-at-home mom is the hardest job on the planet. Shout out to stay-at-home moms. Love what you're doing. I'm just, I'm just not wired for it. For it. And I wasn't <laughs> my best self, both to myself and my kids and my family. So I said, I need to get back to work. To work. And, that's and that's exactly, exactly what, what I did. And that I ran, I ran global education for a technology company. company. And then, and then uh, when, when that changed, changed or I moved on from there and went to the non-for-profit sector and ran global education for an association. And then finally found the guts and motivation to launch my own practice. And it's gone on five years. And I'm thriving. 
Wow. wow. I love, I love that. that. Thank you for, 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 for capturing all, all that really succinctly. Sure. I, want I want to point out that it starts, starts with you emceeing a fashion show at your church. Again, not a role everyone wants. You know, you know, a lot of people would be like, like nope, no, no, thank you. you. But you're like, yeah, clearly, clearly people thought you were going to do a great, great job. That's why you're, you're, you're asked, asked to do it. it. You shined. You did, you did your great work. And someone noticed it. And I love that you said yes to the opportunity. Probably had no idea what you were talking about. That's like, you know, like, okay. But you go and you learn and you apply yourself. You do good work. And I love your shout out to Stay at Home. Parents, parents because, because uh, uh, I was a, I called, I called myself a work at home dad, dad because I was the primary, primary caregiver for, for first, first one and then two kids that were under three, three and a half years old. Mm. But I was also building, building my business. business. Mm. And so, so I kept my brain active because I was, they, they fortunately, fortunately napped, napped really well. well. <laughs> so <laughs> I had lots of downtime in the middle of the day and that's what I did. But if I didn't have that, I couldn't just sit there all day. So I appreciate that. Yes, yeah, shout, shout out, out to you. you. That's, that's the juggle is real, Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. It's real. And, um, you know, I think that's incredible. I would, I would, I will never regret the time I took off to spend, to spend and focus on my family. family. Never, never regret that. that. I'm sure you feel the exact, exact same way. way. Um, you know, because uh, it's one of the most important jobs I have is raising the little leaders that I have in my life. You said, you said five years, years ago, ago you finally took, took the leap. What, what was the, was the precipitating factor to go from this more steady, steady you, know, you know, paycheck, which, which we think, we think of as very secure, and then with all these, all these mergers and acquisitions and layoffs and recessions, so maybe not as secure as we once thought. But, but to, go to go from that to it's, it's all you, what was sort of, sort of leading you into that? that? Mm. It, it wasn't something that I ever dreamed of. I never planned on owning my own company, didn't desire it. Uh, like a lot of people or just know they're wired as entrepreneurs and want to do it. But I had been intentional about every job change I made to diversify my career. Everyone, Everyone was a different industry and wanted to get exposure. And I think as a result of being exposed to so many Different, different industries and different ways of solving, solving problems. problems. It just, it, it, it made me more creative and a better problem solver and strategist. And so, and so I was working as head of education for an association, as I mentioned earlier. And I met so many incredible people who were living out their life's purpose. I, they, they were really just doing what, living and opening their gifts and sharing, and sharing them with the world. world. I said, that's what I, I want to do that. I want to do that. And so, and so without, without a plan, I left that organization and launched my own practice. practice. And so grateful that I had once people that I'd worked with before found out I was a free agent, other companies, partners, so on and so forth. I had a full lineup, pipeline of business for the first year that really set me on the right foot. So that first year was... Um, Fulfilling, fulfilling, doing a, doing lot, a lot of interesting work, work different, different stuff. And then, and then the first, first year ended, ended and, my and my pipeline dried up because I hadn't spent any time building my business. And so, and so then COVID hit. And so I had to get really creative about diversifying the income streams. And I'm so grateful to go back to online learning. I had built a whole library of online learning courses that were available. And so, and so when, when people weren't attending conferences for education, education they, were they were taking my online courses. courses. And, and that passive income really helped give me the pause to build that book of business for consulting keynote gigs, to write my book, and also sustain the income that was coming in when everything else had dried up. So that was a really interesting journey. 
I, I now, now that I'm, that I'm on my own, own reflecting on my experience within, within an organization, organization without or outside, or outside of an organization, organization I, don't I don't have the constraints, creativity constraints that I did when I was working within an organization. organization. You know, typically, typically there's somebody that is going to be a bit more risk averse, less open to innovative ideas that will say no to your, to your ideas. ideas. I don't, I don't have that now. And so, and so I, feel I feel like I'm just free to truly open my gifts and share them in a radically creative and innovative way. And I'm so, I'm so grateful, grateful it's, it's working. I'm so, I'm so grateful it's working too. We bring really important conversations to light. And, and you face several challenges just in what you're sharing. sharing. I mean, one, leaving, leaving a, a full-time role without a real plan in place, place is, a is a challenge that you may not have been fully aware of um, as, as it happens. But, but uh, you were gifted a year uh, runway. runway. And unfortunately, we're so busy kind of doing that work. You weren't building the business, which I think folks either have that issue or they have the issue of, um, they, um, they, they, don't they don't know where to find those first clients. clients. <laughs> yeah. so, um, I was just talking about this in the context of, of, of creating content, content that uh, I have a friend who helps people be more efficient, efficient with creating content. content. And he realized, he realized who would, would want to buy his, his service, you know, his, you know, his, his, his class, and he wouldn't. And, and the people who are just starting out, their whole, their whole business is creating content. They don't have clients yet. So they don't see the problem. Don't take that away from me. That's how I'm proving myself to be a business owner. Whereas, you know, actually have Having a pipeline, a pipeline of clients, clients that you can, can count on is how you have, you have a successful business. business. So when you, when you um, were about to make that shift, um, was, that was that right before COVID hit, hit that you had that realization? It was, it was about two years before COVID hit when I had that realization for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you started to uh, build, but that's when you started building some online content, content uh, <laughs> and diversifying so that you weren't just trying to do the one thing. It's great you have this background in digital learning. Which, which clearly right. you at an advantage, advantage when, when we all shifted our, our, work, our work to the, to the online space. space. Um, how, did how did you, what, what, was, what was your biggest takeaway take with COVID? COVID like how it shaped how you were kind of taking, taking your message and sharing it? What was, what, what, what changed about who we were wanting to work with and what they, what they were looking for from you? Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of silver linings during COVID. Tragic time in our world, but some silver linings as well. And, and because, because I had, had that experience with digital education, education I, was I was able to make the pivot, pivot pretty quickly. I had already, I'd already been, been doing digital um, or online education in a way that's brain friendly. friendly. Mm -hmm. so, when so when everybody, everybody jumped into it and they're trying to figure it all out, out I already knew it has to be incredibly engaging. You've got to uh, get people talking peer-to-peer -peer learning, get people talking one another. Don't lecture at people for 30 minutes or 60 minutes because you're going to lose their attention. And so, and so creating, creating high-quality, high engaging, brain-friendly content was also a, a, a differentiator for me. And then, and then I, I also realized that I did have a pause. Like there was still a lull where I needed to be adding value to the world. And so I also shifted into providing pro bono coaching for people who wanted to be speakers eventually and also to leaders who wanted to up their game. And, and I, discovered I discovered new services, services that are a big part of my business today, today which is uh, leadership, leadership coaching. coaching. 
and I was, and I was able, able to build, build frameworks and refine, and refine it. it. And so, so that was it was, it was an incubator time with, with the pause uh, due, due to the pandemic. pandemic. Let, Let me just work through, through some new creative offerings, and they're truly um, adding, adding a lot, a lot of value, value to the people that I serve, that I serve and, and a significant, significant bringing significant revenue, revenue to the business. So it's interesting because back, back in, in March 2020 to like September 2020, there were the entrepreneurs and speakers who. Really, really hit pause and hit the brakes and hit the and, and, and waited for it to get back, back to normal, essentially. essentially. But, but and there are those who sort of hit the gas, innovated, uh, tried things. I, I said, looking back at that time, no one was paying attention to what I was doing because we were all so self-focused and just trying to, you know, it was like, we're, we're trying to do our best to stay afloat. We're not looking at how everyone else is doing it. And so if you didn't do, if you tried something, it didn't work. Like no one really commented. If you tried something and learned one piece that worked and then you to try it again 16, 16 times, times and finally it, it, it felt very freeing uh, to be uh, out there trying things out and, and i try to hold that space now when we're, when we're back to you know able, able to look around, around a little more, more. but but it, it sounds like you, you try, try to show up and offer value that became my mantra i hosted my first virtual happy hour on march 13 2020 i'm still hosting it two and a half plus years oh my goodness that's fantastic Free events, events gather, gather people, people, right? right? Uh, uh, it, it, it launched a, a um, you know, you know, successful multi-six-figure multi business, business all-new revenue streams. streams. Like you said, like you, said, like you try things, things out, you see what people need. Yeah. And, yeah. And all, all the work, work I did pre-pandemic was about conferences, networking at them. Being the operative word. We weren't going at anything. We were going on. And so, yeah, I think, you know, you were saying earlier, you have worked on so many different sectors and industries and, and I, do, I do you know your, you know, your work is an innovation, innovation. I, I always think that, that like innovation comes from outer, outer edges of our, of our network and, and you were able to take from all these different pieces, pieces. um you're, you're learning from digital media way, way back, back in the day, day. um bringing, bringing that to, to you know brain friendliness which is clearly what we needed in the moment we were all just like we need, we need another, another like, like static, static. 45, <laughs> 45 minutes of death by PowerPoint. Like, thanks. Um, so, <laughs> so really, really great. Uh, and, and now these, these days, if I were speaking with someone and, and there's, there's going to be something they say that makes me think, oh, I got I to introduce them to Melissa. Melissa. You know, you know what, what, what would they, they be talking, talking about, about that would make them a really, really good referral for you? What would they be talking about for me? They would be trying to rehumanize their, their teams, teams and, their and their companies, companies for not, not just moral reasons, reasons but because, because they recognize it's best, best for the business. business. Like, when, when humans, humans on, on your teams thrive, thrive your, bottom your bottom line is going, is going to thrive. thrive. But we've gotten, gotten away from, from I don't want to say we've gotten, we've gotten away, away. We're, we're, we're gradually getting better, better at recognizing the human need and experience as relating people. And the, and the companies that are doing that, doing that really well are seeing higher profitability, profitability lower turnover, turnover, higher engagement, more innovation, innovation better decisions. decisions. And, those and those leaders who want to figure that out, that's, that's when you call me in because I can help them figure it out in a very actionable way. way. I am not a fixer like an Olivia Pope. If you have burned the place down and made some really dumb statements and things like that, that is too late to call me. The companies who get it, and they, and they understand that inclusion, that inclusion is a competitive, competitive advantage, advantage and they recognize it can help boost all of the, the goals that they want to achieve for the business. business. Those, Those are the ones, ones that I work with un unapologetically. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I love that. I was definitely keeping an ear out and you're making me think of two things. One is why Brian Kramer, whose interview came out 
a week, a week before, before yours. Uh, and uh, uh, his company, company is Human to Human, Human or H to H. And, and uh, I think you're going to want to enjoy enjoy that, that when it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that this conversation is so important. I'm hearing a lot more people talking about it. Uh, Anne Bono, who's another person I interviewed, she's, she's actually on my team. team. Um, she, she talks a lot about this, about this. like you know, human. It's, it's like being, being human, humanity in the workplace. Like all have slightly different angles. Hers is more leadership. leadership yours is more inclusion, inclusion belonging. Like, but I think, but I think that, that it's all the same thing. thing. And it's how I'm thinking about events too, because events were always about content and connection back when we got on planes all the time. And virtual can't be an exception. So I'm actually working right now on a book around purpose versus design and intentional engagement and, and how ah, we use these tools, tools not, not, you know, you know what, we what we did in 2020, it can't be where we stop. We have to keep elevating. I think it's such a great conversation. conversation. I'm really I'm curious um, how, you how you think about your network. network. Clearly, Clearly your network, network is, I mean, I mean robust and, and uh, multifaceted. I feel, I feel like you know people from lots of different areas. You seem pretty good at keeping in touch with people. Rachel Sharon, who you met through the events industry, I'm guessing, helps connect us. So, you know, you know, good, good, good people in your world. world. So how do you think about, about you, know, you, have you have your inner circle, circle the, people the people that you know you're going to stay in touch with or, or easily keep up with. And then you and have that sort of second and third tier or second and third layers out. out. Um, the, the people you might see once a year at a conference or you work with them five years ago. I should preface this by saying you like these people, they like you. How do you think about staying in touch and nurturing those kinds of relationships? Any habits or philosophies or practices? I have, I have a special, special gift. gift. I really, really deeply care about people and I remember what they care about. And so, and so if I talk to you in three years, I'm going to remember you had little kids and that you were a stay-at-home parent and took care of them while you were juggling building your practice. And we'll talk about that. And I think um, because I'm naturally wired to do that, whether I've seen you last week or in five years from now, just that connection never breaks. You know, you know what I mean? I mean? And, and so there's there's, there's always that um, that, that, that deep, deep relationship connection. It does, it does take time and process, though, to nurture those when you have a large network. network. And so um, I, do I do have, have my personal board of directors. Board of directors. You know, you know it's, it's an informal, informal, just people who we call on for insight or opportunities, introductions, to vent, what have you. Go grab a glass of wine. You have that inner circle of people. But um, there, there are folks in that circle that you may say are two or, two or, or third, three layers removed have, have been incredibly um, inspirational and have shaped my thoughts and philosophies, and they're still just important to me. And so they, we may not see each other as much, but again, the relationship and the connection will, will be strong for life with all of those people. And I also think I have a... A responsibility, a responsibility when I'm on stage because oftentimes there are thousands of people who are hearing my voice and my insight all at the same time. time. And they're giving me time from their lives to share my thoughts. And that comes with deep responsibility. And so when those people reach out and they need some help or some guidance or a sounding board, I do everything I can to make myself available for 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 them when I can. And so... um a long-winded way of just saying I, I deeply love people and I genuinely care about them and want them to thrive. And if there's a way, whether it's every now and then or it's more regularly, I can help them thrive, I do that. And just to share a story with you, I was connected with a woman yesterday who's just starting her keynote speaking business. I shared everything. 
uh, uh, my speaker, speaker agreements, agreements, my licensing agreements, agreements introductions in my network, and I don't, and I don't see it as competition. I want her to thrive and be successful. And you mentioned Rachel Sheeran. She's just as gracious and generous and generous, um, uh, generous with her insight and wisdom and resource. And I think the more we can do that versus order your own stuff, the better, the better off everybody's going to be in the world. I love, I love this. this. Um, um, you mentioned personal board of directors, and, and the folks listening are thinking, wait, how do I do, I do that? that? What is that? I will mention a resource, uh, Dory uh, Clark, who I've interviewed, and she's a friend and mentor of mine. Uh, she wrote about this in Reinventing You, her first book, and it's, it's, it's a really, really great idea to just identify people who have experience or skills or even just the kind of attitude you need. My virtual assistant has a lot of spunk when it comes to like what you should do when you show up, and she's working on her own visibility, but she pushes me. me. And, and then, then we have these conversations that we end up with, I get with a, a better post because, because I'm being real. That keeps me from just being stodgy, you know, like, yeah. like, like just, just do these things to tell a story. And, and I love that. So, so have, have the people in your life that will kind of feed you what you need in the moment. And then you were also talking about giving away knowledge, which I think is my like, I don't, I don't know. know. It's, it's like, it's, it's a thing, thing I love to do most. most. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they I, 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 my, my favorite, favorite thing in the world. world. And, and um, I, call I call the philosophy of abundance. Because, because if I give away my time or my money, or my money I'm, I'm going to have, have less of that because that's just, just you know, you know, mathematic. Yeah. But, yeah. but if, if I give away knowledge, I'm increasing possibility for everyone around me. And I don't, I don't know how that's going to end up. Like that could ripple back to me or back to my community. Like it'll just create. And, and that, that feels like an, an, an additive, not, not like I'm losing anything. anything. So, so I'm like, like I've got links always every call, call right? right? Like, oh, oh try, try this, try this. this. I, just I just happened upon someone's LinkedIn, LinkedIn their very first LinkedIn post. I was, I was searching some keywords, keywords and I found it. And she has 17 connections on LinkedIn and she admitted it being her first post and said, reply with your number one LinkedIn tip. And I wrote a whole essay. Because I'm, I'm like, like, all right, you, you asked, asked. I'll, I'll jump in. in. Yeah. Um, so, I think, so I think, you know, you know it, it sounds like at your core, core you like people, people right? You love people. You remember things that are important to them. That, that helps a lot. Do you have actual tools? Is there a CRM? Is there a, a time of the week you do a thing? Um, do you mail gifts? Do you host dinner parties? Like, Is there something a little more tangible that you're doing? So to be honest with you right now, I... Practically, practically burned myself out about, about a year or so ago. So After my book came out, came out I was just incredibly grateful for the success, success but gobbled up everything I could, traveled all over the country, country promoting, promoting so on and so forth. And it was in the December time frame that I, I, burned, I burned myself out. out. It just took on too much. much. And so, and so right, right now, I'm really intentional about finding balance. And, and so, so hosting dinner parties, parties hosting events, events although yes, those, those are things that I used to do on a regular basis. basis. I'm focused intentionally right now on having more quiet in my life so that, so that I can be my best self to everybody that I serve, serve. Friends, friends, family, myself, so on, so on and so forth. And so, um, no, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't have those tangible things related to networking, networking that, I'm that I'm doing right now because, because I'm still I'm still working through finding the right balance so that I can be my best self um, and give back to the world the way it deserves. I've been, I've been hearing this term burnout a lot lately. Conversation. I mean, I mean, I think, I think we've all been 
paddling, paddling as, as hard as we can. As we can. And, and, and if we, if we don't catch a wave, wave <laughs> we really can exhaust ourselves. And that can be hard to recover from. So kudos to you for recognizing that was happening and taking the time to recalibrate how you show up in the world. And what's great is when you show up, you show up fully. And so people really appreciate that. You can't do that if you don't have a self, a self to share. You're doing the hard work. Um, I, I, I'm clear, clear that I want to stay in touch with you. And um, this is my favorite sort of closing question. It's a, it's a year from now. And I say, oh my gosh, Melissa, that was a year ago that we had our first ever conversation as part of this interview. I'm going to ask you what you're celebrating. Like, What are the highlights of the previous year? And that's my question to you. What are you looking forward to the most in the year ahead? I'm going to celebrate that I have a second book coming out. You're the, You're the first, first one to hear about that, that so, we'll so we'll have that to celebrate. celebrate. I'm going to celebrate that I'm in the best mental and physical shape of my life. And I'm, I'm going to celebrate that my friends and family are thriving. And that's, and that's enough. enough. Yeah. yeah. These are, these are all, all good things. things. And all you, you hit all the spheres that you need <laughs> to. That's wonderful. I can't wait to celebrate all that with you. How can people find you and follow your work? Yeah, yeah, the best way to find me is go to my website, melissamajors.com. And then I'm all on all the other channels, Instagram, LinkedIn, so on and so forth. But go to melissamajors.com. That'll be the place where you can learn more about me, read blogs, buy my book, Seven Simple Habits of Inclusive Leaders, and get in touch with me. So as I mentioned, if there's, there's a way, a way that, that I can help you work through anything that you're trying to work through, and you want to be a leader, leader that really helps others thrive and involves others equally, call me. And uh, I'd, I'd love to talk to you. Brilliant. Brilliant. So we we'll have all those links in the show notes at onthechmooze.com. Melissa, thank you for this conversation. Thank you. I really enjoyed it, Robbie. So great chatting with you today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Melissa. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at onthechmooze.com. Look for episode 310. That's, that's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as all the archived episodes. Reach out and let me know which were your favorite interviews. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with that one friend you know would love to hear it. Subscribe, subscribe or follow for free so you, so you don't miss next week's show. show. Are, you Are you a fan? fan? That's, That's awesome. awesome. I'd, I'd love to read your review. Thank you, Thank you in advance. advance. I look forward to connecting again next week. week. And I'll be interviewing another talent professional who's overcome challenges to achieve success. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their entrepreneurial journey now that built and sustained their professional network. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks, Thanks for listening, listening to On the Schmooze Podcast at www.onthschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.